All right, so hi everyone. My name is Elaine Gomez. I am a game designer at Elan Media. I also am a game development instructor with Elan's youth game making program called Make Room. Um, and I'm also a professor of game design and development at Rutgers University. Um, and my career so far, really, it took me from bachelor street to graduate school. Um, and graduate school is where I learned my crafts, my game design craft. And after that, I just started teaching game design right away. Um, and it took me a little bit, um, about a year and a half before I started actually doing game design uh, professionally, um, like not in an independent capacity, but actually getting paid by a company to do it. Um, and then aside from that, I do my own Unity development. I make my own games. And I also do a bit of contract work with friends and other companies and entities that need a Unity developer or game designer. Um, and that's what I do for a living. <laughs> uh, where is where is Elan Media again? So Elan Media, so Elan Media was uh, it started in New York City, um, but it recently it moved to Phoenix, Arizona. So had, yeah, had yeah, Tempe, yeah. So the Tempe neighborhood. <laughs> right. So um headquarters are there and the studio is there, but um myself and my my boss, we live in New Jersey, so we are working remotely. And then as needed, we travel to Tempe at, to the studio. So you sometimes fly to Arizona? Right, exactly. And if do you uh the 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 program that you mentioned, uh, what's it called? Uh, make room. Make room. Mm -hmm. That is that in the New York City area? Yeah. So make room is a program that we that I started with my boss last summer, and we piloted it in Tempe. Um, it was like a two week um intensive game development program for kids. Ooh. Yeah, for kids twelve to eighteen. And um, from that, like the curriculum that we built for that and the activities that we had for that, we kind of expanded them and adapted them to different types of scheduling. So we have partnered with um, Education Alliance in New York City to, to give these game development classes as an after school program. Um, and we've also partnered up with other schools and other education organizations that want to use our curriculum and our resources and we kind of go there to their venue um, and we give the classes. So we do it all over the tri-state area. So we started over here in the East Coast. We started in Connecticut at a private school there. And then now we started in New, in New Jersey just about uh, a month and a half ago or two. And then in the summer now we're starting in, in New York City. And what's cool with New York City is the Education Alliance is all over the boroughs of New York. So we're talking about teaching in game development in Manhattan and Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Long Island. That sounds awesome. So I used to live in New York. Okay. Um, I was like on the border between Queens and Brooklyn. Okay. And and then my family moved to New Jersey, like Bergen County, uh, which is where everyone who wants to commute to New York goes to. Yeah, yeah, because it's <laughs> uh, close. And and then I my family moved to Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> oh, that is so funny! Like you, you so literally have I've been the, everywhere. <laughs> the location transition of Eline, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and you, it sounds like you've been jumping around 
like to manage all these classes too like you've been going to all of these schools and uh are you like a a day-to-day instructor during these after school programs yeah so what's cool with eline was that um when I was brought in as a full-time employee, I told them my desire of being able to teach and game design at the same time. Um, and because of that desire and because Elaine's very passionate about, about education and about professional development, they were able to tailor this position for me that was half and half. So I get both, like, both worlds and I get paid for both. So I, part of my job is to be the lead instructor for all these classes. So I do go to the locations and I'm very hands-on with the kids. Um, And I help develop the curriculum that they go through. Um, So when I say curriculum, I'm talking about the unity projects that they're all gonna be doing, um, the things that they're gonna be learning, um, things like what is the production cycle of the game? What is the game development pipeline? Um, what is a first playable, what it's, what's an alpha, what's a beta, um, and being able to really go into the code and use Unity um, to build character controllers in both 2D and 3D um, and do things with physics and things like that. So it's very much hands-on and that's part of my job. The other half is um, doing some design for a game at Eline being released soon in the near future called The Endless Mission. So um, I get to do both, but yes, um, part of my time on a week on a, on a daily basis is to to go to these classes and to teach game design. That's neat. So you not only are you teaching, but you're also working on a current project. Right. Exactly. And it's all professionally too. It's not like on the side. Right. Exactly. Right. It's the studio's project. That's that's really interesting because one thing that I hear a lot like every year when I go to GEC I usually attend some of the education summit mm-hmm. and in the last several years there's been a lot of talk about the importance of having some way for schools to stay up to date on what the industry is doing right, right. the model the model that people seem to have landed on is to have uh, in this, like professionals in the industry who might spend a few years working in the industry, then spend like a year or two teaching, then go back into the industry, then go back to teaching and like kind of cycling in and out. Uh, another model has been getting like a game developer in residence, someone who's literally a professional, but is almost like a consultant to the school and is made highly available to the school to make sure that they are up to date. Right, uh, right. But your your model is basically or rather Elon Media's model is basically we're going to have our instructors literally working on projects while also teaching. <laughs> so it's right. like the, it's a, it's a ultimately a pretty uh, highly skilled position to be in, to be someone who is literally a, a professional who's caught up in the industry working on projects and has the skills to teach a classroom. <laughs> Right, right, yeah, and and that's what I can really appreciate about what the company is doing because, again, like I said, we just started this initiative last year, so it's very new, Um, but we were all conscious, we were, as in me, myself, and my boss, we were conscious about what other people are doing in regards to teaching game design and game development, 
what other like youth organizations uh, focus on. And if you if you look at what's going on is that a lot of people focus on computer science. Um, it's really about either learning how to code, learning different languages, but it's not necessarily about game design itself. And you know, you have some people that use Scratch, which is more visual, or something like Kodu with, or even Minecraft, right? Um, which is strictly visual and 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 does scratch the surface of what game development and game design is all about. But being able to be a part of something where you are learning exactly how a game studio functions and the processes that a game studio goes through in making a game and you're learning to do that um, is something that I found like super refreshing and which is why I wanted to be a part of it in the first place. Um, and not only that, um, we because we have a game studio, we are fortunate that we can tap into our own staff to work with the kids on project basis. So for example, we have an activity where we have the kids make a VR game, um, not necessarily make it, but they mod a game that we have for them. And they collaborate one-on-one -on -one with two engineers from our studio. And they talk about the design and implementation and the engineers walk through the process of their, their own design um, and go under the hood and show them the code. Um, and also just talk to them one-on-one -on -one about questions that they may have about Unity because they're collaborating with each other, like screen sharing. So that's a really cool thing that we can do too, is just being able to use our own resources from the studio um, so that the kids can get to talk and meet professionals that are doing this for a living so they can get inspired to make their own stuff and perhaps even pursue game development, game design, or whatever um, avenue that they enjoy the most in the game development process to encourage them to pursue that as a career. Because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want more people to join the industry, especially more diverse people. That's neat. And I remember Eline Media made uh, some educational games in its past, like GameStar Mechanic. Yes. And, and so having a studio that's already shown an interest in educational games get into the actual uh, work of just hands-on teaching and that exposure to the people in their studio like it just makes everybody in the entire company more exposed to the actual day-to-day -day problems of teaching which can later inform the any projects that they might pursue later like right if you're trying to make an educational game having a lot of teaching experience is probably going to help yeah <laughs> and right even even if you're like a programmer just being thinking like well I'm implementing this feature, but last time I was interacting with students, they got confused with this, so maybe I'll tweak it this way. Uh, it can have a bigger impact than expected. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and last summer, we uh, when we did our pilot at Phoenix, the game development program was actually inside the studio. Like the kids were literally sharing the space with staff. And when the camp was over, the very first thing that some of, uh, of the staff said was like, can we just have these kids over all the time? Because it's so encouraging. Like it's so encouraging to, to hear 
kids being so excited about making games and it like encouraged them and motivated them to continue what they were doing because at the end of the day that's what it's all about like when we make games we we want other people to enjoy them we other, want people to be excited um and have that aha moment um as they're you know solving puzzles or being able to have their code work properly um so it's definitely something that it just goes back and forth it's 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 like mutual that the kids are learning but the engineers are also being exposed to to that um inspiration that they're giving the kids and in turn it's like uh, motivating them uh and and having definitely like you said an uh, a profound impact it sounds like the studio had em- empty nest syndrome after they left <laughs> yeah yeah for real <laughs> <laughs> so how many hours uh do these programs last and how frequently do the are the classes so it depends on the arrangement that uh the school or after school program has made with us um we in the summer for example we are doing a series of of game design workshops like summer like summer camps kind of um and they can last either a week or two weeks and those tend to be almost like half day or or an all day thing so you would start at like nine o'clock and then by three o'clock you'd be done. Um, but those are the most intensive, like summer, the summer, the summer stuff. Once the fall rolls in, um, the programs usually last between an hour and a half and two and a half hours, depending on what what um what we arrange. But usually typically um around the uh like year long, it's between an hour and a half and two and two and a half hours. And is that like once a week? Uh, and that also is dependent on the program. So, <laughs> for example, um, the one where I'm teaching in New Jersey right now, we are working with an after-school program called You Code It. Um, and we do it there once a week for an hour and a half. Whereas in New York, when we start in the fall with Education Alliance, they want us to be there two to three times a week for about an hour and a half to two hours. Mm-hmm. So um, it really how depends. How many weeks is it like half the school year just for the fall? So we are on a like a perpetual cycle. So it's like all year long. Um, but then of course with breaks of um, like in the summer, for example, we do things a little bit differently. But throughout the school yeah. year, it's it's consistent and we're very project based. So, you know, there's we'll dedicate six to eight weeks for um, a 2D platform or project, and we started from scratch, literally from nice. from paper prototyping um, to a final like 2D or 3D executable, first playable version. That's really neat. That brings me back to a lot of like I took a graphic design elective in high school, and they didn't really do any programming in there, but it, it felt similar. Like you'd go in like a couple times a week for this class and then like over the course of several weeks you'd be slowly building up a big project oh really um the especially towards the end of the class when things got more advanced then the projects got bigger uh but yeah the lately i've been working with a company here in seattle that runs very similar workshops for students oh really Uh, that's awesome they don't really they don't really do after school programs yet okay uh so the company is called Experience America. Mm-hmm. They mainly, uh, they their name shows you that they mainly market towards like 
foreign exchange students, for example, like experience uh, America. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like they they host a bunch of various types of classes, and their flagship series are game development. Uh, and like last November, I did a two week contract with them to teach uh, a bunch of Danish high school students. Uh, or their equivalent of high school. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, this summer, they have their main flagship program, which is the game experience program, which tends to attract a lot of like American students. Right. Uh, and so I'll be teaching one in LA for two weeks and then the one in Seattle for two weeks. And I've just been like thinking, of, like working with them. I, the main problem that we always have every time we start one is Let's review everything that we are going to attempt to teach in these two weeks. Right. And it's it's very similar to your summer programs and that starts at 9 in the morning, ends at 3, and it's kind of like five days a week. Five days of camp. Um, and so it's like a camp-like experience. Uh, and so I was wondering about, like, your goals. Like, ultimately, a decision has to be made about, like, what's in scope to be taught, uh, and what you want the students to, where you want the students to be by the time the program's over. And also, because it's kind of relatively short, there's going to also be a sense of, uh, like, it's not the most solid foundation. Like, mm-hmm. they don't know everything about writing scripts, for example. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and so I was wondering how, like, how, how has Elon Media, like, prioritized what to teach and what are your biggest goals for the programs so our biggest vision is to create like within the program oh don't worry about it like within the program we we want to foster this like studio community which is why we call make room youth youth youth-led game studios um because we very much wanted to function like a real indie studio but fully functional by by youth um and i think with the model that we're going for is that yes these um one or two week intensive workshops and and summer programs are very short and there's only a certain amount of material that you really can cover um and there's only so much information that and skills that the kids can absorb in such a period of time um our hopes is that in these smaller workshops that they will be uh, inspired to enroll into like the full year experience so that those skills continue to get molded um, and they continue to learn more and expand their horizons inside the game development process. Because once you start off with your one or two week program and you go into your full year mode, then you're starting to do more programs, you're starting to um take on different roles in the process so maybe in one project you were the engineer and then in the next program you can be um the producer and in the next program you can be uh uh creative director so we switch around roles so that the kids get to experience um really the the responsibilities that are associated with different roles um in making a game um and in doing that um you know, being able to give them different tool sets because of course, like making a 2D platformer game is not the same as making like a, a physics 3D soccer game. You know what I mean? So 
there are different skill sets that they can learn with each different project that they create. And I think that's what ultimately we want to do. It's, it's more of a, instead of like an after school program where you can just drop in and um, experience something for like a week or two and then never come back type of thing. It's, it's very much like a, like a Girl Scouts or a Boy Scouts type of feel where it's like you are dedicated and you stick long-term so that you can earn your badges, quote unquote, um, and uh, go through the process of the ladder of game development. I always wanted me to because I was like so tall and stuff. I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> Hi, Carly. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I mainly hear background noise. I'm not sure if uh, oh. I, is this me? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Hello, how are you? Good, good. Um, yeah, I'm working right now. I'm in I'm in LA, but I just wanted to like drop in and say hi. I'm hi. Also, I'm also from Puerto Rico, and I'm a UX designer in a company called Scopely that oh, we do awesome. mobile games as well. Cool. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for the Puerto Rican developer support. <laughs> uh, so, Corley, if you have any questions, you can just jump in at any point, even though you're working. <laughs> uh, so I have a, uh, another question, which is about what, it, tell me about that project that you're working on uh, outside of teaching. So, so I, I think it's featured on your website right now. So outside of teaching, like for Eline, or like my own independent project? Uh, mainly the one that you mentioned, which was, what was it called? The Endless Mission. Endless Mission, yes. So with Endless Mission, we uh, pretty much re just released what it was all about at PAX East um, earlier this year. So, um, and we also uh, showed a trailer and some gameplay at E3 uh, last week, which was pretty, pretty neat. Um, but essentially, what the Endless Mission is supposed to be, it's kind of like a revamped modern version of GameStar. So, um, yes. Yeah, so instead of you learning about game development and like doing things in a very, you know, because GameStar is more simpler and it's definitely geared towards a younger audience. Um, with um, with Endless Mission, we wanted to target the older audience of kids who want to learn game development. So like with college age. Not I don't think that high far in, age. but yeah, maybe like uh middle school and high school. Um just older kids who want to see, you know, perhaps they don't want to see like sprites moving around uh, and they want to experience more of a 3D project. So yeah. with the endless mission, what's cool about it is that you earn access to different genres of games. Um and you can mix and match the genres and you collect different things that you can use to create your own games. So it's very similar to GameStar because in GameStar you go on a quest and it's this whole trajectory that every mission that you go on, you collect different things in order to make your own game. So you'll correct, you'll collect like player, a, a certain player avatar and then on your next mission you collect a different player avatar. Um, and different enemies and things like that. So with Endless Mission is very similar, um, but instead um, you can modify the game within itself. Um, so you can change your character speed like you would in GameStar. You can change like firing rates. You can change um, 
anything that you could think of that you that the game entails programming like under the hood you can probably mod within endless mission and we went as far as to showing off the code itself so that you can actually look at the code of whatever it is that you want to mod and edit it in real time within the game and that's like quote unquote real code yeah like yeah. like real legitimate code like c sharp methods and if conditions and variables Ooh. yeah so it, it's pretty much like i, I call it like game star on steroids <laughs> Uh, how was that built? Is it like in Unity, Unreal Engine? Is it some proprietary engine? It's made in Unity. Okay. Yeah, everything's made in Unity. Everything that Elon makes is in Unity. Even GameStar? Um, except GameStar. <laughs> yeah, GameStar is a little old. <laughs> yeah, GameStar is... Um, I, know, I don't know much about the development of GameStar because that happened a long time ago. Um, but I do know that they had to change... Um, their approach and their development there, they had to like, when they updated, they switched um, the way that they, whatever it is that they used. Um, but yeah, because of course, GameStar is in browser. So it's, it's a little bit different than, than a 3D. I remember when, when I was still living in Arizona, there was, I, I got involved with a few workshops. So like I was studying at the University of Arizona and they were trying to put on some random workshops. So it would also be like random like festivals uh, that people would host workshops in. And I was just like apply to volunteer for a bunch of stuff. And uh -huh. GameStar Mechanic, I found out about that game because that was being featured in one of the workshops. And I'm like, okay, oh, okay. Learned, it, learned this really quick. And I just remember being very impressed by it. Uh, yeah. And, and even now when I look at the art for GameStar Mechanic, like their, their cover page and everything, I, I get a little nostalgic, like, oh man, that art was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, GameStar is neat, and it's it's used in a lot of schools, like, all around the country um, as a way to very, um, like, very low level, like, not, not even low level, like, a very high level introduction of, like, game design concepts um, in a very visual format, which is, yeah. which is really cool. And with GameStar as well, like, even though, yes, it is geared towards a younger audience, I'm even, like, we use it for, as, like, an, a design exercise thinking even for, like, college and adults. Um, like, I'm giving a game design workshop at the University of Pittsburgh next week, and I'm going to be using GameStar for, like, a, a really short game game design workshop that I'm going to do with, with college students. Because it's all about getting your design thinking um, seeing how you can make puzzles um, or even create um, some type of challenge. Um, and GameStar is super cool to do that because it's so quick. You already have everything that you need. All you need to do is put the, the puzzle pieces together in, in the design that you want to make. Yeah, and now that you've, that Eli Media has built up that experience with that project and not just the experience of making it, but like getting it into schools gathering those requirements that teachers need like classroom requirements are just pretty weird uh I'm, i imagine it's really informing the development of endless mission oh i'm sorry you cut out i didn't hear that last thing that you said oh i i just imagine that all of the experiences eli media has built with game star mechanic is really informing the development of endless mission 
Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And and at the end of the day, because we are so we're so passionate about about education and about doing things in a much more refreshing way, like not force feed you game development or force feed you game design concepts, but it's more really about discovery and like exploring all of these different things and and putting things together on your own so that you can feel that going through the process of playing and going through the process of discovering all these things and you're being rewarded um, and that in the process of learning that um, you're actually developing yourself, not just as a, just as a player, just experiencing something else, but, you know, being able to open up your mind to a world that may seem kind of far-fetched. Because sometimes I feel like uh, gamers and, and the gaming community have like this wall, like thick wall between, oh, this is the games industry and the game development world. And this is us who we are just consumers who play the games. And sometimes the companies listen to our feedback, right? So um, we're trying to break that wall and make it a, a community where we're both collaborating and we're both learning from each other and then use our own knowledges, knowledge and experience and give it away to inspire people to continue playing and hopefully to join to join the industry to meet makers of them by their own right. That's awesome. I know that wall definitely exists and we deal with it a lot in the in this community <laughs> because a lot of students, they may be really steeped in, I guess, gamer world where yeah. what it's like to follow the game's press, follow the titles that are coming out, maybe follow the companies and what they're doing, but still have that feeling of like lack of agency in it all. Like, right. as, like, like there's this sense of, the companies, they're all their own autonomous pe people, things, entities, and it doesn't feel like there's much power in, in like among fans to do much. Uh, and one of the reasons, one of the things, one of our big goals with this is to, I guess, chip away at that mindset and be like, no, this industry is a lot smaller than, it's pretty big, but it's also smaller than it, it looks. It and, really is. It really is. And, um, when it comes to that too, and this is like my own personal opinion um, from based on experiences that I have had, where sometimes it feels like when you're a student and you're first starting off learning game development and design, and you're making these very, very niche, uh, small experiences, you know, because you're still developing yourself and, and you haven't gotten to that professional professional capacity yet. Sometimes it feels that when you do talk to people who have been in the industry for longer than you have, that there's kind of like this sense of like authority where you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel that you can relate anymore. And sometimes it even, it even feels like you're being talked down to because your experience isn't up to par. Um, and myself as a, like personally, as a professional, like I want to be able to do away with that because the idea is for me to, give what what i have and expand the community because that's the what's the most important thing is yeah and that that potential condescent like when when you when industry people talk to either newcomers or people who are not even aspiring to work in games and there often can be this 
perception of condescendingness. Right. Like, even when it's not intended, like, like we, we pretty much every time there's like a big quote unquote controversy in games mm-hmm. that comes up, like that, like all oh, these devs showing up and being condescending to us and yep. kind of accuse us of not knowing anything. And like a lot of times, it's kind of true. Like there are a lot of a lot of the weirdest controversies come from people not understanding how things actually work or being uninformed on right. how something or mi- rather misinformed like they they feel like they're informed but they were actually taught the wrong thing about how the industry works right uh, right and, right and that like working through that is like that ju- that just makes the the wall thicker i feel absolutely <laughs> the wall yeah. between and, the two sides and to be honest with you and it's not something that just happens in AAA. it also happens in the indie world there's there there are people who can be condescending and it happens on social media. It happens in real life. It happens at conferences. It happens at smaller game jams. Um, and sometimes, like, I experienced this myself because I was just a student, like, two years ago. And I, I remember a very vivid experience where I um, finally got to meet somebody that I really admired in the game industry. And I felt so ostracized. Um that I was like, do I even want to be in the industry anymore? Because I don't want to treat people like this when I end up getting a job. Oh, you know, like, you don't forget you don't forget your roots. Like, at the end of the day, never forget where you came from. That there was once upon a time, you didn't know anything about game development. And you didn't know, you know, how, how to build games. Like, never, never forget that. I always tell my peers. Yeah. I always tell my peers that because it's so important that we... We have to be very conscious of the way that we speak to other people because at the end of the day, they want they want to get there and they will get there and everybody's journey is going to be different. Um, some people are able to go into the industry and go into a AAA studio right out of college. Some people, some people get to do that. Some people end up being in an indie studio first or even doing their own indie work first for two, three years, and then they end up going into a studio that they would like or they end up you know starting founding their own studios and building from scratch and and becoming who they want to be so um as professionals i also think we need to be very careful in in the way that we address these issues and always be be humble like when you're talking that's why i'm doing this because to me this is important like students are the future um they're you're the future of our industry and you're the reason that things are going to change, you know? I don't expect the industry to stay the same 20 years from now. The games that we see now, um, they will be things of the past, you know? It's like the same way that we see Pac-Man or Tetris, you know? Like, um, there are definitely games that are, that are iconic and that we tap into and that we talk about, but do we see games like that nowadays? No, we have completely evolved um, and we create um very very dynamic experiences um and i see that continuing to evolve in the next 15 20 years and because it continues to evolve we have to be very sensitive and we have to be very conscious about those who will be in our shoes in in 5 10 15 years time yeah and i do think that there are definitely professionals out there who like are just plain jerks 
Like and that's very but, true. Like as you're saying, um, there's there was a Twitter thing a few months ago where I forget which game it was. It was one of the PS4 games. Uh, that the game with very pretty environment work. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. They were the devs were tweeting a GIF of the Fulcrum calling on their game. Like it shows the camera moving around, and it shows the game dynamically hiding parts of the game engine that were not in view, so that it won't have to bother rendering them or processing any of the scripts on them. Mm. And and the people first the devs tweeted that out. A bunch of fans saw that and they're like, "Wow, that's really cool!" And they retweeted it and they were talking about how cool it was. And then a bunch of jerk devs started mocking people who thought that was cool and innovative because they're like, oh, haven't you heard of full-stream cooling? It's like Game Engine 101. And like, don't be jerks. <laughs> oh my gosh, it that's was so terrible. annoying. Yeah, and so it was like this thing where that all, that then turned a backlash to the backlash where people are like, stop being jerks, devs are jerks, this is why there's, such, there's a diversity problem in the industry, blah, blah, blah. And like, well, at least people are talking about it now. Um, but there, there are definitely are there. There's all sorts of people in the industry, and that means there's nice people and there's also jerks. <laughs> yeah, and I think and, we and just need what? to we need to hold our our colleagues accountable one day. Absolutely, do stuff like that. Right, absolutely. And the reality is that there's going to be jerks in whatever industry, no matter what. There's always going to be people who are going to be negative and who are going to talk down to you. But you have to either you can do one or two things, right? You can either ignore it and go about your day knowing your worth and being confident in what you do and or you can let it consume you discourage you and deter you from creating and perhaps even leaving you know abandoning your projects or leaving the industry completely right so it really it it depends how you want to take it right because um i'm a big believer in that you choose how things are going to affect you like you either give somebody the time of day or you don't so um, when it comes to negative things like that, um, you just need to be able to ignore it and, and, and choose your battle. Sometimes you have to say something, even if somebody's being a jerk and be like, can you not talk to me that way? Because I respect you and value you and I expect that in turn, you know? Um, and other times you just have to be like, you know, no, whatever, dude. Like, I'm just not going to waste my time. Yeah. And those kinds of, like, conflicts, it's something that you get better at dealing with as you get older and as yeah. you have more experience with it. Like I, like me in high school was like so anti-confrontational. I could not handle those kinds of interactions, but yeah. now I've, I've, I've grown stronger in a way. Right. <laughs> and so now, yeah. And so don't, it's, it's like, it's just part of the same growth mindset kind of thing. Like just always right. strive to improve, uh, ex- expect that others are also striving to improve. Absolutely. Not everyone, not everyone has the same learning path. Uh, so I'm reading chat currently posted, and if you don't know how to deal with people like that, I highly recommend getting a mentor to help you navigate those conflicts. So much of game development is about soft skills. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the whole mentorship thing. Um, I don't know. Have you ever had a, a formal mentor relationship in your career? so far yeah yes i have um so one of my mentors um he was 
my one of my professors when I was an undergraduate. So he has really been the one pushing me to get this far. Um, as far as game development mentors, um, I'm very fortunate to have a, a nice network of people in the industry who I can always go to and ask for advice. Um, and uh, as far as like, as far so as people like, become pseudo mentors, like absolutely, like in, yeah, informal, informally. Yeah, and and I think that's something at least at least within my circle is something that we have been able to do for each other, um, where we ask each other for advice um, from the simplest things, even if it's like a color palette for something or like typography, um, concept art, even code. Like I have shared code with friends and they help me figure things out and we mentor each other in that way. Um, and it's really nice to have that, um, that kind of, of web of influence because once you are able to do that with your close circle, it's so much easier to do it with other people that perhaps you're not as close with. Um, and for example, I have taken a lot of people under my wing that aren't even game designers, they're artists or 3D modelers. And I have been mentoring them and helping them make work um, and connecting them with people that I know who are in positions that they would like to be in. That's really awesome. Like, that's the one of the things that people kind of don't talk enough about networking. Like, there's the, of course, expanding your network and your notoriety, but then there's the flip side of you helping more people. Uh, and in fact, some people have argued that that's the real focus of networking is not yeah. so much to focus about yourself, but more about helping those within your network. Yeah, I, I feel that's super important. I'm, I'm very much a people person and a very community-centered person. So to me, that's what's most important. Um, but me, like personally on an, a professional level, my mentor is, one of my mentors is my boss. Um, and he, he has really um, taken into account that I want to be, for example, like a better, a better programmer. And um, he'll look at my code and he has offered feedback like, hey, I have some suggestions so that you can make your code neater so that you can optimize. Uh, let's let's sit down and chat so that you can get better at what you're doing. Um, or coach me even in teaching. Like sometimes um, I may not be as authoritative with the kids as I should be because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah, but he tells me like, "Hey, you. Sometimes you just have to be firm, and you have to lay down the law and say like, no, we're not going to do that, and no, you're going to put your phone away right now so that you can focus on what we are doing." Um, and I have an issue with that a little bit because it goes against my personality. <laughs> um, but I'm I, bad at that too. Yeah, but I know sometimes it it just needs to be done. Um, and on a side note too, like being able to be comfortable and voicing how somebody makes me feel like not exactly taking something personal um but like in a very professional setting i have had, had instances with people that i work with they have said something you know disrespectful to me um or they have dismissed me or invalidated me in some type of way um i have been able um through through the mentorship that my boss has given me to be able to talk to somebody and be like, hey, what you said and what you did is not okay. And this is the reason why it's not okay. 
can we come to a mutual understanding to respect each other and communicate better so that as we work together, we can grow and not stay stagnant and or not be um, at opposition with each other. And that's something that my mentor has also helped me with. So it's not just game development, game design and professional development is also uh, development at a personal level because you always want to grow regardless of your career and what you want to do in life. You also want to continue to grow as a person. And I think in finding a, a mentor, you the best mentors to me are the ones who do a little bit of both. Yeah, and speaking of mentorship, I asked earlier about the difference between like formal and informal people who you see as mentors. Like formal as in you literally ask that person to be your mentor or they offer to be your mentor and you start like interacting in such a way but then informal yeah. is more like you just happen to get to know someone really well and they just happen yeah. to give you a lot of advice um, mm -hmm. and I I think it's important to remind students like first of all that mentors are a thing and that don't be afraid to ask someone yeah if they can be your mentor yeah don't be and, afraid but also uh, to recognize that there is there can sometimes also be that informal thing where like someone just like over the course of knowing them and over the course of talking with them, they just informally develop that yeah. relationship with you. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they're both valuable in their own right. Caroline says uh, they adopt you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I also like what you said about your relationship with your manager. I, like when I used to work at Microsoft and my manager there was like my ultimate mentor and like even though they gave me as an entry level hire they gave me a formal person to be my mentor mm -hmm. my manager like she became my real mentor in a way and like we would have these our weekly one-on-one -on -one meetings and it it would like i always had the impression that a a a person's meetings with their manager would be like one way like maybe they're more formal maybe they're more managerial maybe they're more about personal performance but those meetings were really just like mentor sessions like just talking about what's being worked on and work where I can improve and how can I improve and just having all these conversations that are in the interest of helping me grow rather than in, in the interest of judging me for example right 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 and I've noticed that the whole manager style, like, it seems like the consensus now uh, on how to be a good manager is really just morphing into how to be a good mentor. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and I agree with that. I think I think that part of being a manager is, yes, you should be able to, in a, in a very professional way, of course, manage your the people that you are under you and make sure that they're doing their work right and properly and come, you know, be that facilitator during yeah. discussions and things like that. But also I think the, the best managers are also great people. They have great people skills and their desire is for their team to collaborate and be on the same page and for everybody to respect each other and communicate well instead of everybody just being individual, doing their own thing, clocking in and clocking out. Um, and at the end of the day, if you look at how we make games, that's what it's all about. You will rarely find somebody that makes a game and does everything on their own. Um, 
you're always working on teams. So it's always important to understand that value of being good communicators, being good collaborators and team members, and also understanding when somebody is going to have that manager or manager. How are you? Hello. How are you? How are you, everyone? Sorry for interrupting. It's okay. What are you doing? Uh, we are having an AMA. Hello. Uh, hello. What's uh, what's this uh, so, group? Is it a university or what? Uh, this is part of the IGDA. It's it's abbreviation of what? It's abbreviation of what? IGDA. The International Game Developers Association. Uh, we're in the middle of an event right now where we're recording like an interview with uh, professional game developers. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So, we're, sorry. We're about to finish in like 10 minutes. Okay, okay. Uh, take your time. And part of, part of the format of this event is that people can log in and ask questions themselves. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so, I, I understand. So if, you have any, if you have any questions, uh, you, you should look at the Ask Me Anything channel. Uh, uh, there's a few rows above this one, where we have a few links about the current speaker and also explains what the event is. Okay, uh, okay no problem. Finish and I will talk with you. <laughs> okay, see you. See you soon. <laughs> uh, so, as, as you were saying something about... What were you saying? <laughs> that, it, you know, it's an... It's... It's part of what we do at in the games industry, you know, yeah. to have to be collaborative, um, and to have that person, obviously, who will be your manager, who will act as your mentor, um, who's overseeing what you're doing, even if it, that's if even if that is a peer um, that you're working with, but somebody's always going to have that role, and somebody always should have that role, um, and yeah. I love being a mentor. So if there's anybody who's listening to this or has a question and wants mentorship, like I'm always here. Like I, I love to do that for people. I love to connect people um, and help in whatever way I can as well. Yeah. And I don't know how often you use Discord, but uh, we've had some people who've done AMAs with us in the past and have since like just stuck around on our channel and, in particular, they tend to hover on the help channels so that if somebody asks a question, they might chime in with some tips. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I have my Discord on, on my phone, so I get notifications at, like, text messages, like, for certain groups that I'm in. Um, but, yeah, I will definitely make sure to stick around. And if anybody has any any design questions, development questions, Unity questions, or wants to run something by me and get my my thoughts like i'm totally up for that i also a good tip for students is don't be afraid to just like reach out to random developers even if it's like one-on-one -on -one, like in an email or some yeah private twitter thread yeah it doesn't really hurt to reach out to people and if they're too busy then they might not respond but that's yeah. no big deal <laughs> right but if they if they got time, they might give you that time. People people in the industry are generally pretty eager about helping students. Um, however, the flip side is in certain like industry events and meetups. Sometimes 
there are people in the industry who are like not eager to help students. <laughs> like there, there are some. Sometimes you meet people at events who are like you meet them and they're like, "Oh, I'm a student," and then like they lose, they appear to lose interest in you. And generally, I I hate it when people do that. But that's not everybody. There's yeah, there's that's two, not everybody. There there's plenty of people in the industry who are super eager to help. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Twitter is a great avenue to do that. Um, I know there's also like several Facebook groups um, where you can post questions and people will answer them or or send you a link and point you in the right direction. Yeah, we got like five minutes left. Is there anything cool that either you're working on or paying attention to that you want to talk about? Yeah, so... um. I independently, so this is like in my own free time. I'm working, I'm working on a on a game about the indigenous peoples of Puerto Rico, the Taino people. Um, yeah, so I am very fortunate that I have a job at Elan because Elan made Never Alone, which is about the Coquitlam tribe of Alaska. Did um, they make it? Did they publish it? I don't remember their relationship. Yeah, so. So it's interesting with that. So um, Upper One Games is like a sub studio under Eline. So it was it was created for the development of Never Alone, and okay. because of the because of the success of Never Alone, um, the Cook Inlet Tribe of Alaska actually partially owns Eline Media. So we have a very close relationship with the tribe. So I remember hearing about Upper One Games being like the first uh tribally owned game studio right yes and then but it sounds like that got more merged into eli media since then right exactly uh, like for example i noticed that their website is i noticed that their website doesn't work anymore for example like upper one yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah so upper one I, I don't know what's going on with them but i know for sure that for example our hr is in alaska so um, anything that has to do, I, I would assume, with like the business side of Elan Media is up in Alaska with them. Um, but yeah, I'm very fortunate that I have connections with Elan Media, with tribal, with the tribal community. So um, I, I was able to speak with some people at the Smithsonian Institute because we have a very good relationship with um, museums in the country. So um mm-hmm. Um, I started developing this game about the Taino people um, after going on a trip to Puerto Rico. So I was born and raised there, and I try to visit often to see my family. And last March, I went and after playing, literally after playing Never Alone. So before I was even hired at Elan Media, I had uh, played Never Alone, and I was, I got, I got so, like, I guess I fell so in love with it and the idea of using games to to share culture and bring cultural awareness that I wanted to do that for like my my own people. And I and I got my DNA tests and I found out I was like partially indigenous. And um I went to Puerto Rico and I visited these tribal parks on the island and I just got inspired to create something to digitize our culture and share it. Um, and so that's what I've been working on very slowly, doing a lot of research over the past year, trying to figure out what's the most authentic and genuine way uh, to share a story 
Um, so that's what I've been working on. And I have been trying to get involved with the Taino uh, Tribal Council, becoming a member inside that, that council, getting um, approval from elders, trying to have like some type of a round table with elders to get some ideas um, and being able to collaborate with them on that. So that's what I'm working on, very super passionate about. I'm building a whole independent studio around that um, and starting to find concept artists, like 3D modelers and people to help me create a, a nice playable demo to have by next year to show it off at different places like Indicate and um, an indigenous a conference called Imaginative um, and other different things to just try to get it out there and see what I can build from it. So I'm pretty excited about that. It sounds amazing. Uh, it sounds difficult too. But yeah, extremely amazing. difficult. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I'm designing it and developing on my own right now. So um, in my free time, you know, that's not a lot of time because I have a full-time job. Um, but slowly I'm, I'm building it and I found a, a, an awesome concept artist um, and she she created some initial drafts for me of some ideas that I really loved. So we're getting the ball rolling for sure. Um, but putting up a studio, it's like a whole nother different beast in itself, like establishing an LLC um, and having the, the funds for that and, and applying for grants in order to have funds to do all of this since it's education based um, and it's cultural. It's it'll it's something definitely that a lot of educational institutions are interested in. Yeah. Um it's it's great that you're doing so much research first before diving into like what the game will be in a way because that's yeah. like where the real challenge of the project seems to be. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Um it took I about like wonder... I said about a year, about a year of research just reading books, reading history, visiting the Have actual you... grounds. Have you looked into getting grants for this project? Yes, I've been looking uh, okay. into that very much so. Um, trying to work. Um, so some of the uh, educational institutions on my radar are the Puerto Rican uh, Cultural Institute, um, the Institute for Library Sciences and Archives here in the United States. Um, and also um, because of Eli and I was able to connect with uh, the Caribbean Exhibition Department at the National Museum of the American Indian in New York City. Um, and they want to also see how they can help with the creation of the project. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, I know that it's going to be big. I know that it's going to be very important. It's going to be important. It's just the matter of having everything that I need and actually having time to start it. Yeah. Make the time is always the struggle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, cool. So we're about out of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks so much for talking with us. Yeah, thank um, you for having me. This was really great. Um, I hope that I was able to at least share some knowledge of and some of my experiences. Yeah. So this recording, this recording will pro will go up to on our YouTube account at some point. Uh, we're in the process of setting up a podcast feed for these. Oh, great. That's so, awesome. So I will send you links and stuff so you can share this around. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thanks so much. And if you know anyone else who would like to do one of these AMAs, uh, feel free to tell them about it. Just 
send them the same link that you used to sign up. Okay, I definitely I'll post, will. I'll post a link on chat as well, and I'll let you get back to your day. Or All your right. evening, rather. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. See you later. Bye.